0: Hey folks, welcome to the Dark Horse podcast live stream number one hundred and fifty something. Five, one hundred and fifty-five. Mm-hmm. All right, it's not prime. That's easy enough to detect. We are. Uh, I'm. I'm not gonna candy coat this. We are staring down the barrel of twenty twenty-three.
1: Yeah, we are. Happy New Year, everyone. And for those of you watching, you will see that while we're in the same place, we're in a different uh, a different setup here. We were done. We're done being super comfortable on our lovely sofa, but it was uh, it was creating a certain amount of slouchiness. So here we are back at our table and chairs that we were uh, broadcasting from in Portland, and uh, it's still our temporary studio. But uh, this will mean fewer animals on camera. We do have a dog below us here. Yes, who but is you snoring?
0: So you can still enjoy that, whether you're watching or listening. She's not snoring at the moment, but no I'm not, sure she, she will. Is- She's not. She is now in mom's. Not. <laughs> she was really a moment not. ago. I, I, I I'm, Either I'm hallucinating <laughs> that the dog is snoring, or she's snoring. Which uh, I'm betting it's the latter.
1: Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, except for the fact that she's not snoring.
0: All right. Well, yeah. maybe it's the former. Okay. All right. Um, That's gonna make this interesting.
1: It will. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole episode. So today we're gonna talk to you about um, whole food shoppers and their ethos and organic certification and IgG four. And uh, how mRNA vaccination uh, against COVID seems to affect it Uh, and uh, the other IgG classes, they're called classes, is that right? Yeah, IgGs one through four. Uh, What we think we know now in light of a recent paper that has been published and there's also a Lancet paper we're going to talk about a little bit today, finding a surprising rate of monkeypox in women except not actually. Uh, so we go down that rabbit hole a bit and uh, talk about The Lancet and uh, just how not awesome it and other medical journals and scientific journals in general seem to be at the moment. Uh, with a few notable exceptions, I will say, although we don't have anything to talk about this week, BMJ, British Medical Journal, has been one of the beacons of light and sanity throughout, uh, throughout COVID. And uh, it, it, what it seems to indicate is that actually an editor-in-chief, and I don't actually even know I don't even know his name i don't even know if it's a he i don't even know if it's the editor-in-chief it's a
0: he i've forgotten his name i'm not gonna Uh, gonna guess
1: but like it takes apparently one guy and like i'm sure there needs to be agreement to some degree but uh one guy to be courageous and to stand up to the um stand up to stupid and stand up to to bad science Uh, and bmj the british medical journal is doing it lancet is not
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, we will we will get back to this topic, but there's also a question: the Faustian bargain that those who try to do this the right way while remaining in the good graces of the system at large yeah. end up doing good. And doing their own kind of damage by creating the impression of a middle ground that is actually a social mm-hmm. middle ground, not a scientific middle ground.
1: Yeah, the institutions are fine, mostly. You know, it's it's fine. Just uh, just get along so that you can get your word out, and it's not really working, is it? For the most part, right.
0: Um, anyway, we we will return to the journal question in segment three here.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, So uh, we follow these live streams, the live Q&A, our final Q&A of the year will be shortly after we finish this live stream you're listening to right now. You can ask questions at darkhorsesubmissions.com. We encourage you to, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, consider switching over to Odyssey where the chat is live. And of course, this will be going up on Spotify and all of the audio podcast uh, services that uh, as usual after, after we're done here. Uh, this week on in Natural Selections, which is where I write weekly on my Substack, NaturalSelections.substack.com, I did a highlights from 2022, uh, which began by recalling a couple of the guest posts uh, that I had from the Truckers Freedom Convoy early in 2022, which was really extraordinary. Uh, we had um, both one of one of the Dans, whom I published, and Tara's piece on uh, on her daughter Mila. Um, I'm reminded of, uh, as well as a lot of other stuff there. So um, encourage you to encourage you to go there. Uh, we of course have our store, darkhorsestore.org, with lots of lots of good stuff. Although I sort of expect and maybe hope that many people are kind of um, done with buying stuff for the moment, uh, if if they did some amount of buying over the holidays. Uh, but we will recall to you that we are supported by you, and we appreciate you subscribing and liking and sharing both full episodes. Uh, and also Clips on our Dark Horse Podcast podcast Clips channels on both YouTube and Odyssey. Uh, And uh, you can also support us by joining us at our Patreons where you get access to private monthly Q&As. We had ours l- two weeks ago uh, this this month so, that, so as not to be uh, doing our private Q&A on Christmas. And they're just a lot of fun. And usually the first Saturdays and Sundays of the month, you have smaller conversations as well. You're not going to be doing one tomorrow because it's New Year's Day. So next weekend, uh, you will be having these conversations on both Saturday and Sunday mornings. And True.
0: And new episode, uh, new guest episode of Dark Horse out as of yesterday, I believe. Uh, Asim, Dr. Asim Malhotra, um. right,
1: which has nothing to do with Patreon, but um, that is that is on on Dark Horse. And uh, apologies that it came so late, uh, but it's a it's a great conversation. Uh, so also on Patreon, you can join our Discord server, where for instance there are um, book clubs uh, that you can join and discuss with people of all sorts of all sorts of demographics. And finally, of course, we have sponsors uh three uh, at the top of most hours uh, that we do live streams and we select them carefully we really stand by them and they stand by us and we are appreciative for that so without further ado our three sponsors for this episode our first sponsor this week is thesis Thesis makes nootropics. Nootropics are nutrients found in nature or in the human body that enhance mental performance in areas such as motivation, creativity, mood, memory, focus, and cognitive processing. They work best when combined with taking care of yourself generally, which includes eating real food, moving your body often in a variety of ways, and getting good sleep. You're probably already using nootropic as one of the most commonly consumed ones is caffeine. Effective nootropics allow people to optimize their focus, energy, and mood based on the demands of the day. For some people, nootropics can replace the pharmaceuticals that are often used to tackle problems, like, for instance, ADHD. Thesis is unusual in the nootropic market in taking a very personalized approach. They do not assume that what works for you will work for your dad or vice versa, or that what worked for you when you were under deadline for a stressful project will work for you when you're trying to inspire yourself for a passion project you've been dreaming of for years, for instance. When Thesis first started out, they blinded their customers to what blend they were taking and took careful data on how everyone responded to the various blends. Just as some people become alert after a cup of coffee and others can fall right asleep, so too do all nootropics have different effects on different people. Now, more than 2,500 customers and millions of data points later, Thesis has created a recommendation algorithm to predict which blends of nootropics will work best for any given customer. The process is simple. Go to their website, take a short quiz, and they'll send a starter kit with four different blend recommendations to try over the course of a month. We've tried several blends now, haven't liked them all, but have found several intriguing, which is exactly what you would expect given their approach. My two favorites are called creativity and logic. The creativity blend smooths things out a bit, adds clarity, the logic blend facilitates focus, but your results will vary. With fully personalizable blends, there is likely to be a thesis that is right for you. To get your own customized thesis starter kit, go online to takethesis.com darkhorse, take the quiz, and use code darkhorse at checkout for 10% off your first box. Our second sponsor this week is Eight Sleep. Good sleep is a game changer, and the Eight Sleep pod helps you get good sleep. As we discuss in the sleep chapter of A Hunter-Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century, intelligent life that found its way to Earth might be surprised by a lot of what it found here, but not by the fact of sleep or of dreams. Sleep is necessary. Without good sleep, we are destined to be unhealthy and unproductive. Consistently, good sleep can help reduce the likelihood of serious health issues, decrease the risk of heart disease, lower blood pressure, and even reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. But more than 30% of Americans struggle with sleep, and temperature is one of the main reasons. Couples who sleep together, Brett, often have very different optimal sleep temperatures which can cause all sorts of disagreements.
0: My temperature feels under attack at this moment. It Yeah. is.
1: Eight sleep allows fine-tuned temperature regulation for both people. Having a cool room and a warm bed, if you're reasonable, is a luxury (laughs) that eight sleep makes easy to obtain.
0: All right, that's one perspective, sure. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, the, Pro- the Pod Pro Cover by Eight Sleep is the only sleep technology that dynamically cools and heats each side of the bed to maintain the optimal sleeping temperature for what your body needs. With the Pod, you can start sleeping as cool as 55 degrees Fahrenheit, as some of us like, or as hot as 110 degrees Fahrenheit, which seems too warm for everyone. <laughs> The temperature of the cover will adjust each side of the bed based on your sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature, reacting dynamically to create the optimal sleeping environment. Eight sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get 30% more deep sleep on average. With more restful sleep overall, you may see improvements in physical recovery, hormone regulation, and mental clarity, even if you want to sleep really, really, really cold. Finally, the alarm feature, which can, make you with, no, which can wake you with temperature change or no slight chest-level vibrations, is much gentler than any standard alarm. And it's really great, actually. Um, everything about this product is great. We were both a little skeptical when 8sleep approached us. We said, we'll try it, but really not convinced. But we are sold. And uh, we are surprised at how much we appreciate this, uh, this the pod cover of the bed. So go to 8sleep.com. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com uh slash dark horse to check out the Pod Pro cover and save $150 at checkout eight sleep currently ships within the US, Canada, the UK, select countries in the EU and Australia.
0: All right. Well, I'm uh I'm now over that attack on my preferred temperature okay. and um I'm experiencing some dyslexiophobia here looking at this uh this script which I have not read before. phobia Yes, it's the anxiety, I made up the term, but it yes. is the anxiety that comes when you know you're going to have to read something in public <laughs> and fear that there may be a term in there that you will stumble over that a normal person could read easily, but we'll find out if that happens. We will. We will. We will. All right. Our final... I, how
1: about this? I promise to make fun of you for your preferred sleeping temperature, but not for your dyslexia.
0: That seems fair. I think yeah. so. All right. All yeah. right. Our final sponsor of the year is Soul, a sustainable orthopedic footwear company. Soul is one of our two footwear sponsors, and we love them both. They are quite different from one another, yet they both have an evolutionary approach to creating shoes that help uh, feet get and stay healthy. Uh, And people become more mobile because of them. Soul intentionally brings back structure with both their shoes and their signature footbeds. Soul aims with its footwear to return feet to health and shoes by sole are beautiful in fact um travel being what it is i had to limit my footwear when i went to uh, florida recently and it had to have at least one pair of shoes that would go with my suit and that pair of shoes was a nice leather pair of soles slightly high top that i wore for everything except biking they're beautiful yeah they are they are lovely and they worked great exploring uh in florida Sole footbeds are the industry standard... Wait, do they
1: resist crocodiles? Or, sorry, alligators?
0: Uh, they repel crocodiles and alligators. I don't know if they resist. I managed to steer clear mm, okay. uh, clear enough in any case. Good to know. Um, Sole footbeds are the industry standard... That's
1: actually stand- not true, guys. They're great shoes, but I, don't, I wouldn't buy them if you've got an alligator problem.
0: <laughs> and who doesn't? I've
1: tried this. It works pretty well. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> not helpful. All right. Yeah, no.
0: Now my dyslexia <laughs> anxiety is... Uh, all the more elevated. All right. Sole footbeds are the industry standard in over-the-counter supportive insoles and inserts. They are moldable for custom comfort, giving you all the benefits of personal, personalized support at a fraction of the price of orthotics. Sole footbeds are made from recycled cork and include a signature supportive arch, which is clinically proven to reduce arch strain in your feet. This is especially effective in helping recovery from plantar fasciitis, which I can pronounce because I've had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and not when a, wearing your soles. No, this was many years ago, and it is a truly excruciating condition, yeah. which affects more than 2 million Americans, along with a range of other ailments, from shin splints, which are also agonizing, <sighs> to I hip, sh- knee, yeah. and back pain. Soul footbeds also promote neutral alignment, and good posture and are particularly effective at preventing fatigue when standing or walking for long hours on hard surfaces or near crocodilians. It says so right there. They believe in the quality of their product so much that they're sure that once you feel the comfort, pain relief, performance enhancement, and injury prevention benefits of sole footbeds, you will want them in every shoe you own. They've also got an end-of-the-year sale going on right now with up to 75% off on selected shoes, sandals, and footbeds, all of which we highly recommend. Dark Horse listeners should visit yoursoul.com slash darkhorse to get 50% off any footbed. They believe in the quality of their products so much that they're sure that you will feel the comfort, pain relief, and performance enhancement and injury prevention benefits of sole footbeds, and you will want them in every shoe you own. Once again, get 50% off by entering the code DarkHorse50 at checkout at Y-O-U-R-S-O-L-E.com. Well done. Ish.
1: Dog is snoring.
0: The no. <laughs> dog... <laughs> um...
1: <clears throat> The nature of time Mm. suggests that just because she is snoring now does not mean that she has always been snoring.
0: Um, Let's put it this way. Most of the time that she is snoring, she has been snoring before we check in with her. So Mm. for some indefinite period before now, when we both agree she is snoring, she was snoring, perhaps without our agreement.
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> 2023 is going to be long, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> long and trying.
1: But at least we have our wonderful sons and our dog and our cats, wherever they are, uh, to help us keep things awesome, I hope. Okay. Let's launch into it. Uh, I was think- I was on the mainland recently, uh, since we don't live on the mainland anymore, and I found myself in a Whole Foods. Um, Whole Foods is n- has never been my favorite store to be in, uh, but uh it's it pretends anyway to have an ethos that is very much the sort of the sort of grocery shopping experience that we do prefer. So, you know, when possible we shop at farmers markets and at food co-ops. Uh, and actually Portland was an exception on the food co-op front. There were a few co-ops but they weren't that close to us and they, they weren't as awesome as uh the co-ops in other places where we've lived and uh, so whole foods is usually not my first choice but i was on the mainland i needed to pick up some meat for holiday meals and uh, knew that i was likely to be able to find some high quality meat hopefully that was grass grass fed grass finished um and excuse me and it led me to think about i was sort of looking at all these other mostly you know holiday food shoppers in whole foods uh, which I want to say something about at the end of this little segment, but I actually ended up sort of going down a little rabbit hole because I thought, well, you know, Whole Foods is actually to uh, shopping at farmers markets or food co-ops a little bit like USDA organic certification is to actually growing your food responsibly and carefully, and in in the way that would have been traditional 100 years ago, through 10,000 years ago. Maybe not, maybe not exactly that, but but close enough. And I just thought, okay. Well, I, I remember uh, when we had relationships with farmers at, for instance, the Olympia Farmers Market. I would very often uh, hear from them that you know what we're not certified organic, but we have everything in place. And either sometimes they would say we're working towards that, and it's you know it's a process because you have to let the you know the soil remediate and, and such. If if there had been Uh, conventional farming practices on the land. Um, But more often they would say, we are doing everything actually to a higher standard than the US Department of Agriculture requires in order to get organic certification, but we're not going through the bureaucratic rigmarole. Uh, which is itself a giant set of hassles and hurdles and expenses and uh, basically that means that you know, you, the buyer with a relationship with me, the small farmer will have to trust me as opposed to the government uh, but I can bring you sort of better you know better food at a better price without going through the bureaucratic intervention so that was sort of what i had in my head about usda certification go for it
0: so i just wanted to point out we may have been through the logic uh on this before but this is game theoretically absolutely top category yes right one should you know just i think we maybe in a recent episode talked about how one should evaluate two shampoos one of which had no advertising associated and the other had uh you know an expensive model or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, and the answer is psychologically, the consumer should penalize the advertised one, even if if they look approximately equal, because the point is whatever wasn't spent on the model might have been spent on better ingredients or, uh, you know, R&D or whatever it is that would make a better shampoo. And in this case, the tax, the de facto tax that exists on organic, quote-unquote, organic foods that comes from all of that bureaucracy is then taken away from the profit and the quality of the farmer doing the farming. So in some sense, if you can trust your farmer and your farmer's market often allows you to do that because you meet Mm -hmm. them face to face, and that's probably a better guarantee than uh, a government certification at this point.
1: And in fact, uh, we had a CSA for many years, a community supported agriculture subscription, which uh, is you know if you have one in your area, it's fantastic to do because it provides basically insurance against the vagaries of weather and climate um, for the farmers such that if they have a bad year, you get less in your box, but you've paid up front. Um, but if they have a boon year, then you get more in your box. Um, but you know the cSA that we had with a, we biked to pick up our box every week and we had a relationship with them, and we actually brought um, some kids that we were watching, including our own a couple of years, to do a farm tour and so like you can actually. See if if you are not in a position either because you don't want to or because you just can't grow your own food, it's the next best thing.
0: Yeah, and so in some sense, if you are in such a position, uncertified organic is even superior to officially organic, assuming that the trust linkage works. Exactly. I will point out, I remember from that tour, the um, carrot washing apparatus, which I was totally fascinated by, Mm -hmm. which was basically... Uh, like a big cement mixer in which the carrots are dumped in and the water flows through, and the carrots are sort of agitated and the carrots roll, and all of the dirt sort of flies off them, which yeah. neither here nor there, but I thought it was really awesome.
1: No, it was. Oh, um, absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> as to the question that you raise at the end here of whether or not uncertified organic might actually be superior to certified organic, I was thinking the same things. Like, well, okay, so you don't have to. You don't have to buy into the bureaucratic bloat in the system, uh, and therefore you stand to actually get uh, better product and support your local farmers more. Um, but I didn't know uh, this thing that is now true about uh, organic certification, and I didn't. I didn't have time to go all the way down this road, but. Uh, If you want to show my screen here, Zach, I've got a couple of, these are just PDFs from websites, which I'll link to in the show notes from USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture. And they've got an eight-part series of posts on um, how it is to go, how you should go about getting your USDA organic certification, if that's something that you're interested in. So Organic 101, five steps to organic certification. This was posted uh, in December of 2020. Uh, So this is, uh, you know, solid nine months or so into COVID. Uh, The vaccines have just been uh, released, are not available to almost anyone yet, except for some uh, medical professionals. And down here we have under step three, receive inspection. Uh, For livestock, the the inspection uh, may include inspection of feed production and purchase records, feed rations, animal living conditions, preventative health management practices, e.g. vaccinations, health records, and the number and conditions of animals present on the farm. Holy moly. Now I thought, Vaccination is possibly required for organic certification? That doesn't seem to be what I knew uh, to be true of organic certification. So, um, and I know nothing about what these vaccinations are. So I went to another um, of their posts. Uh, This is uh, an earlier one in their series, but they've reposted it as of July 28th, 2022. This is Organic 101 Allowed and Prohibited Substances. And so first they say, organic standards are designed to allow natural substances in organic farming while prohibiting synthetic substances. That's it in a nutshell, what organic standards are supposed to do. Allow natural substances, we can argue all day long about what natural means and whether or not natural is inherently good, obviously it's not, and they say things like, actually you can't use arsenic in organic farming practices. Allow natural substances while prohibiting synthetic substances. Some synthetic substances are listed as exceptions to the basic rule and are allowed for use in organic agriculture. For instance, pheromones have long been used as an effective, non-toxic way to confuse insects that may otherwise infest organic crops, especially fruit. Likewise, vaccines for animals are important disease prevention tools against many infectious diseases, especially since antibiotic therapy is prohibited in organic livestock. Now, I could not actually figure out because then it gets very confusing and muddled and you, uh, I, I, maybe by design, maybe not, maybe I'll just leave that, leave that as an open question, whether or not these several points in the USDA site that I find the suggestion that your inspection for organic livestock certification may actually include you requiring to show the receipts that your animals are vaccinated. Is that actually true? If it is true, which it seems to be, but I don't know this for sure, then the original framing of what organic means, according to the USDA itself, which is allowing natural substances while prohibiting synthetic substances, has been expanded to now be requiring some synthetic substances. Requiring substances that are created in a lab as something that is, that is mandated for organic certification now provides even more reason that uncertified organic, where you actually depart a little bit potentially from uh, what is required by USDA certification standards is superior because the fact is that in general, and this is not gonna be true if, you're, if you've if you got feedlots, if, you've, if you're cramming the animals together, although those are normally not practices that are approved uh, for organic certification anyway. That animals that are healthy, that are able to go outside, that are that are gonna do the things that we want to be able to do as humans as well, because mostly the animals that we eat are also social. Be outside, eat the food that they were evolved to eat, all of this are not gonna require the high tech interventions that we are we are wanting to shove on them.
0: All right, several questions. One. So I have not encountered this before. Yeah. I took what you read initially potentially to be about the vaccination of workers. Tell me that's not, that I misunderstood what was said.
1: I believe that is a misunderstanding because the okay. sentence begins for livestock.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. All right. So now let's follow that as a livestock requirement. Yes. A... This puts a whole different spin on the shenanigans that surrounded the redefinition of vaccines in order to yep. uh, to make that term relevant to the novel vaccination platforms, especially the mRNA platform mm-hmm. that has been at the central of our COVID effort. Yeah. The so here's here's the line of logic I'm seeing unfold here with. I must say a good degree of horror. Mm-hmm. You redefine the term vaccine so that this new platform, which is a radical departure from what we historically mean by that term, doesn't create immunity, it creates uh, it turns you into a vaccine factory.
1: Do you remember what the redefinition was from and to by any chance? Uh,
0: it's subtle, but I do I do believe I remember. Okay. I believe that the idea was a vaccine induces immunity, right? And that it had to be altered because these That was inocu- the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These inoculations do not create immunity. What they do is they induce a process in you that creates immunity. In other words, mm-hmm. it's not the introduction of something that has you Turn antigens you into a vaccine factory. You turn you into a vaccine factory. So that's mm-hmm. one issue. The or other issue um not a
1: vaccine factory, but a it-
0: yeah, effectively, effectively a vaccine yeah. factory. Yeah. Um, and in a very in a very haphazard way. The other question surrounded whether or not they prevent the transmission of the disease. Right. right? So in any case, the yeah. reason that this is so horrifying in the context of something like organic certification is what we learned painfully slowly in unpacking what these things actually did the over the course of mRNA vaccines. Yeah. Mm-hmm was we learned that certain things that we were sort of gently nudged into assuming that turned out to be totally false um, had implications for health. So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking in particular of the substitution of the pseudouridines for the uracils in the mRNA transcripts, Mm -hmm. right? So what we were initially led to imagine was, look, we're going to inject you with this stuff. It's going to short-term, cause some cells to produce some proteins that will alert your immune system, and then it will be gone because that's what happens to mRNAs. Yeah, that's what happens to mRNAs when you don't include this uridine in every spot where there was a uracil. Oh. So what they did is they...
1: Which makes those mRNAs thus altered resistant to the uh the mRNA aces yeah the mRNA aces that would otherwise be destroying any free-floating mRNA in the intercellular space
0: right for lots of reasons some of which I think will come up later in our Mm -hmm. in our discussion of IgG4 but the point is okay so now you've got a thing which is a vaccine by virtue of the fact that they changed the damn definition and the idea is well vaccine is really it's it's synthetic but it's leveraging an organic process that you know you know okay yeah super elegant until you start telling me that you're introducing mrnas that the body doesn't have a mechanism for taking apart because you substituted a pseudouridine for every damn uracil and that means this thing has to find its way out of the body some new way or get degraded very slowly by uh, entropy over time, meaning that you have fragments of this thing. This is an insane plan. And the Having idea... changed
1: the definition of vaccine, having vaccines be in the literature on organic certification means that anything could be introduced under this word umbrella without us being any the wiser.
0: Right. Worse, we are now beginning to see, so at the beginning of the vaccination campaign, you will of course remember that there was all of this talk about shedding. Which responsible voices like you and me largely dismissed, not because it was impossible mm-hmm. that anybody would ever shed a um, uh, either a spike protein produced by this or an mRNA um, that they had been injected with, but because the dosage would be so low compared yeah. to you know if a person survives vaccination, which almost everybody does then the tiny dosage that you would get by shedding would be trivial almost no matter what it was, right? right? I mean, there's a trivial amount of cyanide in apple seeds. And if you swallow an apple seed, you don't die because it's small. Mm -hmm. But that said, there is now a uh, responsible and growing chorus of people who say, not so fast. Actually, the shedding thing turns out to be real. I'm still unsure how it could be important given the dosage issue but there are ways in which the dosage can be high for example lactation for example having sex with somebody who has uh been vaccinated and
1: yeah although those those two things wouldn't normally be lumped under the category heading of shedding well right you know sexual transmission and Mother they are infant transmission are different. They categories. are or they aren't.
0: But the basic point is, look, there was no big fat warning to pregnant women. Don't, you know, yeah. nurse your babies after you've done this, even if internally yeah. that was understood Quite the opposite. Um, by the, the pharma companies who made it. But here's the point. OK, so now you're going to go to the market and you're going to buy organic beef, let's say. Mm. OK, and you're going to assume that organic means something like what it's always meant which is mm-hmm. basically produced with natural processes right would you be terribly upset if the cow that the beef had come from had been inoculated in some tried and true fashion against uh you know some sort of pathogen that cows are afflicted with not really because it would be more or less a trivial issue however as soon as you tell me that that cow might have been injected with a you know, a pseudo uridine right. uh, infused mRNA-coated in lipid nanoparticles. And now I'm thinking, look, A, so I'm not saying that that's happening yet, right. but I'm saying it's coming. Part right. of what's been driving this is that this platform is lucrative because you can basically make a vaccine by swapping a sequence into something you've already built for other purposes.
1: Right. Um, but it's also true that what we have here is a... <clears throat> is a static set of definitions and and apparently words, while the meaning of the words is sort of cryptically changing behind the scenes where you know as as the USDA site specifically notes, as I read from, uh, USDA certified organic meat uh, cannot have been given antibiotics there may be some rare exceptions but basically antibiotics are off the table if you want you cannot be using antibiotics especially with the sort of regularity that you know sort of prophylactically across the board like a lot of major meat producers do which is terrific
0: however it is terrific that they are excluded
1: yes terrific that they're excluded however if i were given a choice between um you know you're gonna buy half a cow uh a whole cow (laughs) you're gonna buy a large chunk of a cow that has been produced um, well and it was grass it was grazing up until the very end um, but uh, it got sick at some point and there was an antibiotic treatment for the sickness that it got that that uh, that it was given and it was a short course and that was a couple years before it went to slaughter uh, or the thing that it got sick with Well, we've come up with this brand new thing that we're going to call a vaccine, and it's maybe got the pseudouridine in it, and it's got all these other, and it's got the lipid nanoparticles and stuff, and we're vaccinating that cow every single year or whatever the crazy schedule is decided by the manufacturer. Well, the cow number one which had a single course of antibiotics for a sickness that came on and that was treated and then it cleared the system is can't be certified organic and cow two maybe can and again we're making up these vaccines for cows we don't know that these vaccines exist for cows right but Um, but i would vastly prefer to eat cow number one the meat from cow number one uh, which had a course or maybe even a couple of courses right like antibiotics um, as you know, as we have said over and over and over again, are one of the great, incredible human successes of Western medicine, as we have believed vaccines to be as well. But that doesn't mean that the you know, widespread use in every possible uh, moment is the right way to use them. And so the USDA organic certification uh, position, which is absolutely no antibiotics, but because that, then, yes, vaccines, seems to really misunderstand complex systems evolution you know what you know what it is that humans who are seeking organic certification uh both for themselves if they're farmers or for their for their food if they're you know consumers uh would want like it, just it just is so unnuanced as to really miss the boat.
0: Well, uh, I'm going to depart with you a little bit. I don't feel like this is unnuanced. I feel like we are having our assumptions. Well, no
1: antibiotics came. ever is unnuanced,
0: right? But that,
1: that's that's that is a and, and it's easy to, uh, the, it's easy to certify. You know, if someone yes. is coming in, you know, oh God, I've got you know, my job is USDA organic certifier, and I've got to do 40 farms this week. I have no idea what the workload is, but I'm sure it's too high right? Well, it's much easier to have a list of like, wait, you, you know, you gave a course of antibiotics and that cow is not, cannot be organic certified. Like that's all I have to know. Right. right? It's so in that way, it is. Un-nuanced. Well,
0: the rule may be unnuanced. Yes. What I'm saying is that the formulations here are smuggling in absolutely radical stuff as if it's minor and that that is yes. the gaming of our assumptions. Yes. And so you and I have an instinct yeah. about an antibiotic. I do not want. Uh, meat from an animal that was given antibiotics to increase its rate of growth, Mm -hmm. right? I don't want meat from an animal that was uh, given antibiotics in the last two months of its life. Mm -hmm. I'm not troubled by an animal that was given an antibiotic a year earlier. Why? Because I know something about what that animal is made of. I know it has a liver. I know it has kidneys. I know it will have gone through a process of degradation. I know that the antibiotics themselves are the products of biology. And so the basic point is that cow's ancestors were encountering these toxins in the wild. The The whole system is built to be anti-fragile by selection. And once you start introducing this radically new stuff, and the point is, what is it? Oh, it's an mRNA, uh, mRNA covered in some, some lipid. Okay. You've just not quite. Yeah. You just screwed me over twice, yeah. right? Because it's not really an mRNA. And that isn't lipid in the sense of some fat bar. Barred... Lipid never
1: shows up that way in nature.
0: Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, okay, you've gamed my assumptions and you've gotten me to be more relaxed than I should have been. But now, okay. So somebody's done something to some cow right they've injected it with lipid nanoparticles covering some mrna for some purpose again this is fiction this is fiction but let's say they've done that Mm -hmm. and now i go to the store and i see hey there's two kinds of beef i'm willing to pay the extra price i want this organic one Mm -hmm. right and when i I, my assumption is the organic one is it going to be perfectly free from all toxins no the animal will have breathed it will have been out in the world they're You know, tractors on the farm, they have exhaust, whatever. It's not perfectly free of everything, as none of us are. But it'll be 95% of the way there. Not if you injected it with this crazy crap. And now my behavior with respect to it should actually probably be the inverse of my instinct, right? If I want to eat a, a rare piece of beef, right, and I've gotten something that is certified organic, my sense is what's in that beef? Mostly beef. Right. right what if what's in that I want beef, in right. beef I cow stuff right I want it to, and you know if it's not you know long ago we had a discussion about why I thought the pandemic might bring ground beef to an end and I at some mm. point we want to go back to this that obviously didn't happen um and it's worth going back through why I got it wrong or maybe just early but and you're interested in the evolution of arboreal cows is that it oh goodness mm-hmm. nice one yes um not so much honorary dad joke
1: oh thank you <laughs> um but does that make me trans
0: oh, i hope not um <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter you identify as you want just don't change anything okay. but um but the point Seems is look enough if you were gonna if you gave me a steak and you said you know if i was starving and you said here's a steak that animal was vaccinated with mrna coated in lipid nanoparticles something yeah. that we now call a vaccine my answer is Yep, I'd like it well done. Right? Why? Because you're going to at least potentially break apart some of the stuff that's dangerous to me with heat. Is mm. it going to make a steak I really want to eat? No, but if I'm starving, I'd much rather eat it after you've cooked the hell out of that thing. Right? Mm. So th- it just inverts the assumptions, right?
1: Right. And that's exactly the opposite inclination for you know at least at least many cuts of meat you know some some cuts of meat you know want to be cooked long and, and slow and you know and all this but most of us who you know can afford to and are interested in forking out uh, more money for really high grade uh, beef steaks uh, don't want them well done you know, right. medium rare is the is the usual thing at the moment and some people go towards medium, but like between medium medium rare is where generally uh you know, if you're looking at a rib buyer in New York or something, that's that's what you're looking at. And you're saying, yeah, in this case, if you don't know what's in it, you know, maybe
0: at least my you know, assumption are, <laughs> are out the window yeah. uh, as soon as you do this. Whereas, you know, let's suppose that you know your your meat farmer as we did when we lived in Olympia. Mm-hmm. Um well Okay. I don't necessarily know what they did and didn't inject the animal with if they say, well, it's, you know, it's... It's uncertified organic, right? I'm doing what I should do. But I do know that if my farmer is also eating what he or she produces, Mm -hmm. right, and they are on alert about all of the synthetic stuff that we've been told is safe that turns out not to be, they probably won't have injected the animal with this stuff for their own Mm well-being. So it might be, again, a higher level of protection there.
1: That's right. Okay, well, to just wrap this up before we segue to talking about IgG4, Um, the thing I was... Before I went down the, what has happened to USDA organic certification rabbit hole was walking around Whole Foods with my, you know, fam. I got a brisket, I got a prime rib, I got some, you know, I got some good pieces of meat in my cart. Uh, but I'm looking at the clientele uh, who, you know, look kind of like me, right? And they got similar things in their carts. And I'm thinking, these are people... Who are choosing to spend more money in part because they can and so there is a you know there's there's nothing but privilege in a whole foods right um but they have they have come to the conclusion that eating food that has not been uh pesticided insecticided uh, antibiotic, uh, you know, across, you know, you know, for its entire life, uh, given growth hormone, if it's dairy that you're eating, you know, all of these things, these are people who have come to this decision that they are, they, because they can, they are willing to spend more for such food, especially for their family, right? A lot, a lot of people will say, well, even if I'm sort of on the cusp of being able to afford it, definitely for my children, because mm-hmm. I know that they're growing, right? This is also the demographic though, that and I don't have I don't have a chart here, but I believe that it is sort of common knowledge uh, that you know well-heeled people shopping at Whole Foods are some of the people who were most adamant about getting the novel vaccines, and honestly, also about giving them to their children. Mm-hmm. So where's the disconnect? Like, <clears throat> you know this this is a this is a question that we've come back to over and over and over again. But I was struck by it and what felt like a new way to me, looking around going, how are you making these choices that cost you more money than they, than they need to in order to get food that I understand to be better for me and that are better for you if they are what they claim they are, You know, putting aside what I've since learned about USDA organic certification, et cetera. How is it that you are also the people who are yelling for mandates that everyone get this very new, very synthetic, very hyper novel treatment that actually isn't even safe or effective. Like how do those two things live in the same head?
0: Well, unfortunately, I think I know how they do. And it's something that you and I have actually talked about recently, which is, and I'm not, I don't want to, portray people as being this way i think some people are this way across every topic and all of us are this way across certain topics but most people do not have a model in their minds about how stuff works right most people if they took biology they took it in high school they sort of you know they they got through the test they didn't think too deeply about it maybe they were struck by a concept here or there but they didn't walk away with a a model of how a creature actually functions they walked away yeah. with some some factual knowledge and by the way a lot of that is on the teachers who failed to convey Absolutely. the the intuitive fascinating model that might have been passed along
1: i thought biology was incredibly boring after i took it in high school i had that bad a biology teacher yeah i got an a and i was like well if i can get an a in a class that's that boring what possibly could be of interest there yeah
0: anyway, i i had that. a very different experience you had a I, different teacher i did yeah. i think yeah. i would have ended up i mean i was biologically as my grandfather uh used to point out um eric landing in math was a little bit of a surprise but me landing in biology wasn't because i was always fascinated by critters but i mm-hmm. also did benefit from a couple of biology teachers who really were good at making it intuitive and yeah. um and that fostered my my love of it but anyway the point is most people don't have a model right yeah. what they have in lieu of a model i would call a cartesian nightmare right so the <laughs> Descartes became troubled by the fact that he didn't know almost anything on his own right he took almost everything on the word of somebody who claimed to have discovered it yeah and that is an alarming thing to realize now in fact there's nothing wrong with it it's the only way especially as the range of things that one might know has grown radically in the last couple hundred years um you can't know you if you set yourself the job of establishing everything that you believe personally you'll get nowhere right you just don't have time to run that many experiments and so we all have to take a lot of stuff on a kind of faith but Mm -hmm. the question is how good is your model of how faith works right if what you do is you proxy your belief to a group of people who you know they all went to college they studied different things oh there's a doctor in the group there's a physicist there's a an engineer and a lawyer and whatever and the point is well okay, this group has expertise in almost all the things you'd want to know. And so more or less, you know, to the extent that they become persuaded that something is dangerous, I should probably watch out. To the extent that they become persuaded that something is safe, they're probably about right. And the point is, that probably works until somebody starts gaming it in the way that has now taken off.
1: Well, and it's more easily gamed. If no one in the group—and this will often be the case in hyper-educated groups of people—if no one in the group has skills in the physical world, because education is often correlated with disdain for physical work, right? I mean, th- I mean, this is criminal, frankly, that we have let that happen. But um, that very often, people who are educated say, "Ah, well, I, you know, I, I've, I've outsourced having to take care of any of my physical needs. Maybe you know, with the exception of cooking, but you know, I certainly I don't do I." I yeah. Oh, we did our bathroom. No, you had you paid someone to do your bathroom for you, right? Like this, yeah. <laughs> this language, like, it's one of my pet peeves. Like I, I hate it when people who can afford to have other people do their work for them, linguistically make the claim that they have done it because they had the money to, aff- to, to be able to afford to pay other people. But if you have a group of people who actually don't manifest physical things in the world... In any way, by craft, by, you know, physical activity, some something, yeah. then they are much more likely to miss um, glaring logical errors when they show up.
0: Yeah, totally, totally agree. And it has made them sitting ducks uh, for this very sophisticated effort to slide stuff by us, right? Yeah. And, you know, they got us. When they said mRNA, I thought, yeah, that's bound to be short-term. Still doesn't make it safe, but mm-hmm. it's not a long-term issue. It's a short-term one, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, the the degree to which all of our assumptions, even those of us who are carrying a good model in the exact location are being gamed, is spectacular. But what it means is, I mean, we've seen a wholesale shift in what the people on a given team believe over time right yeah. the number of authoritarian things yeah. the number of anti-egalitarian things that the blue team is now spouting as if they're self-evident is amazing yeah right?
1: well and i mean just before the 2020 election There were prominent Democrats, including our current vice president, who were saying that they wouldn't take the vaccine developed under Trump uh, until and unless I don't even know what the conditions were. Right. But, you know, the valence switched. And you know, no one on blue team, on team blue, wants to talk about. Actually, these vaccines were developed entirely under the president that you hate so much. Right. Uh, and it took apparently no more persuading, except that now there's someone different in the Oval Office who had nothing to do with it. I and mean, well, of course, Trump had nothing to do with it either. Like neither presidents don't have anything to do with the vaccine development, although they can, you know, encourage it. Uh, but it, it, you know, as if who is in the Oval Office? changes how safe or effective a medical a novel medical treatment
0: is but the, but you're making the error right there what is it that's a model and you're saying that model doesn't make any sense yeah right the idea Wait, that so the, what's a model that the person in the white house has a big influence on the technology that it might okay, arrive so i'm saying that model doesn't you. make any sense well but the point is you're describing is it as if folks have a model running in their minds that doesn't work my point is it's not even a model
1: they don't have a model.
0: They don't have a model. What they have is a jersey, right? The people wearing blue tend to spout the scientifically wise things. And so if what I more or less do, Mm. it's like driving the flow of traffic. You may not know what the last speed limit sign said, but you look around and the traffic, you know, there's the guy whizzing by in the left lane and there's a couple slow pokes in the right lane, but you're somewhere in the ballpark of reasonable. And the point is, if you do that, you end up flow of traffic on a normal road, and if you somehow bumble into the Indy 500, then the flow of traffic doesn't tell you anything about what you can do.
1: You know what, though? Actually, this, this is a fascinating analogy, because um, many modern cars now have a pop-up that tells you what the speed limit is. Yeah. And there are many examples like that that happens to be the one that you used, and that you know I know, because we have one or two we definitely have a vehicle that doesn't do that because it's yep. from the '90s, um, but at least one of our vehicles does, and <clears throat> I think that in part this is this is this is this allows the creeping authoritarianism. That's right? my point. Because because we are most of us are now being informed constantly of like what you're supposed to do. You don't need to even look around and be like I'm going to go with the flow. You don't even need to do that. It's like oh I know what I'm supposed to do. I don't even need to pay attention to like why is that guy going like that.
0: Well. What I'm arguing is we are forced to proxy our understanding on a great many things socially, right? We have to defer to people who know more than we do in places that we don't know much. Now, hopefully, what you and I do is we have a model that hopefully does not get ahead of what we actually understand that will allow us to detect some kind of illogic right? Even if somebody is talking about physics, and we're not physicists, the point is they've got to stay within the realm of reasonable or explain why they're departing Mm -hmm. before, you know, we're going to be able to listen to the stuff that we can't comment on, because it's beyond our knowledge. But if you toss out models entirely, and your point is, look, these people, they ain't perfect. I'm sure they're wrong about some stuff we'll laugh about 20 years from now. But They're cutting edge. I mean, you know, they've they've gone to the right schools. They've talked to the right people. But
1: isn't there a model implicit in that? No. There's a model of they're educated.
0: My my point is there's the failure of the idea of models at the point that you go from having to proxy the majority of what you believe to other people to... I guess if I'm doing that for the majority of stuff, why don't I just do it for everything? I'll hang out with the smart people, and I'll be smart. And my point is the smart people are shopping at Whole Foods. They're buying organic because it is safer, right? And that means they have no mechanism for detecting that something has, oh, those people have money. They buy organic because it's safer. Now, what definition do we have to swap before we can sell them our stuff under their label? right? Mm-hmm. And they will feel sophisticated serving it at their cocktail parties, and they won't have any idea why their friends are getting Parkinson's disease, right? So it's, it's exactly that. Once okay. you socially proxy, the point is you are a sitting duck for anything that can pump stuff into your social environment through a social channel, which is what happened, right? We watched virtually every doctor screw up COVID, right? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? These people studied medicine, how right, could they but get I mean, it so we, wrong?
1: we knew until COVID. Like everyone knew uh, that the medical profession was in thrall to big pharma. Like right. this, this that was a, a widespread, commonly understood, you know, democratically held position. Right, well, that the you know the, the junkets and the free stuff and the pharma reps showing up in the office and giving you lots of stuff and telling you the words to use to um, help diagnose and push dr- particular drugs on particular patients who showed up with things that maybe you couldn't diagnose, but probably it's this. Oh, and of course, if it's if you give them that, then you're going to need to give them this for the side effects for that. And like this was all no- known.
0: Yes, but until I
1: don't- and like, but but now, like you, you say anything about that, it's like oh. Oh, you're one of those people. You're one of those people. But we were all talking about this five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. We were, we were all talking about
0: this. Right. But the problem, you know, I don't know how to convey it, but the problem is we were all talking about it using a common language, but there are two species using that language. I there think are, there's more than that. They're, there, broadly okay. speaking, you got people who are running some sort of a model. Sometimes it's crude, sometimes it's misinformed, but at least it's a model right? The model tells you when something that is complete nonsense has been pumped in because suddenly your model throws an error. And it's like, well, that can't be right. I mean, people watch this happen on our channel in real time, right? What was the error that we couldn't get past? They kept telling us this stuff was safe and there's no way on earth they could possibly have known it. Yeah. Right. So it was that it was like, okay, some social thing is broadcasting from every speaker in the house from every periodical. This is safe. And I can, you know, on the back of an envelope, tell you why that can't be true.
1: Well, and I guess we see this, too, on the other side. Uh, we, we've seen it personally where uh, and, you know, I don't I care less and less about the labels of left and right and Democrat and Republican. And um, yep. I just I just liberal conservative like I just they just mean almost nothing anymore. Right. But for a while, it seemed very important because it was true um, to be repeatedly saying nope still liberal still progressive like you know actually politics haven't changed in the wake of evergreen for instance uh, but uh, but our understanding of who is doing what on behalf of whom is changing and a lot of people on the right people who you know were also still using those labels at the time many of whom have also stopped would say nope 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 you're conservatives now Yep. And the response that both of you, both you and I gave independently in, in many venues was, no, not a conservative because your definition is about who you're hanging out with. Yep. And this, this is a political position, not a social position. And this actually really failed to compute for a lot of people on on both sides. But we happened to run into it failing to compute for people who were lifelong conservatives. So like, no, if you're talking to me and we're getting along, then you must be a conservative. It's like, just because we're friends doesn't mean that we are the same thing in every regard. Like, the, the social reality doesn't create the other reality. And I do think that this actually is a misunderstanding across uh, across domain.
0: Yep. no, you found you found the exact proof right because to say you're a conservative because you believe in these things as i a conservative believe in them is this social Mm proxy and the point is look no there's actually an epistemology i can show you how i know i'm not a conservative despite the fact that i agree with you that a bunch of those things that you're defending need to be conserved it's not that there's (laughs) no conservatism but the point is hey guess what we can't stay here we can't continue to do what we're doing we need progress to save us. That's why I'm a progressive, right? Mm-hmm. It's that simple. So that's a model. Yeah, It's not, you know, we could go into much greater depth, but the point is that's a very simple model mm-hmm. and it allows one to parse the speech. Who is a conservative? Who is a liberal? Who is a moderate, right? We can parse that speech using that model. And in any case, I guess my, my overarching point would be it may be that social proxying is the slam dunk winner in a certain place where you have nothing at stake in certain eras when the thing isn't lying to you uh, right and left, right? It may be highly efficient, but as Mm -hmm. soon as the thing starts lying to you as a a matter of regular course, Mm -hmm. you need a model. It's the only hope of figuring out what to listen to.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, If you would show my screen here for a moment, this is our segue to, uh, to what you were hoping to talk about. This is a tweet from Health and Human Services, hhs.gov, the official government Twitter account. Wow, official government Twitter account. Yeah, what an era. Yep, Um, it reads, if your last booster was before September, so this is from December 16th, if your last booster was before September, you should protect yourself and those you love with an updated COVID vaccine. Catch COVID again and you might not keep it to yourself. (laughs) That's an advertisement for these vaccines um amazing right
0: amazing it's so many different it's levels so many I different mean, levels and, and they it,
1: also turned off replies
0: of course they did they've learned that yes. they have to do this to keep yeah. the people who are running a model from overrunning their replies and pointing out how stupid they're being <laughs> yes um,
1: because people can be so mean
0: people can be mean but i mean that you know that just proves how much insanity you can jam into a tweet if you're really dedicated to oh it, man right? because yeah it's these not like these hard. Things block transmission and the whole idea, the word should in that tweet, if you were past however many months, you should get a booster? Yeah, three. Did, it's three. I didn't see any age stratification in that claim. No. Nope. You. It's all yous. Any you. If you're a you, you should get a booster, right? <laughs> That's just insane, yeah. right? That There's there's no defense for this. There's no There's obviously no model running behind that other than how can we fool them.
1: No, and you should protect yourself and those you love because if you don't, Maybe you don't love them as much as you think you do. Yeah,
0: it's about love. Love is the answer, and it comes in a syringe. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, well, sorry about that.
1: <laughs> okay, well, that seems like a perfectly Perfect. lovely place to uh, to Segregate. move over into talking about this uh, this result, the science paper. Right? IgG4, yeah.
0: Yep. Okay, so many people will have heard IgG4 suddenly emerge into public consciousness, and I thought the best thing for us to do was actually try to provide kind of a basic uh, i don't want to say a course but a mini crash course in how to understand what's even being discussed so that you can build the model that will allow you to understand what its implication is for for example your own decision to get uh, one of these boosters or not
1: do you, okay so you're going to start at the beginning or do you want to show the paper
0: might as well show the paper uh, i've got
1: uh, I've got it up if you I would...
0: All right, we are going to show you the paper. So this showed up in Science Immunology on the 22nd, I think. I don't Um,
1: remember. Yeah, the
0: 22nd. 22nd. Um, So what this paper talks about after um, oddly proclaiming the obvious value of the uh, mRNA vaccines, what this paper discusses is a from what I understand, highly unusual shift in the subclass of antibody that shows up in people who have been vaccinated with the mRNA vaccines after their third dose.
1: Yeah. So there's a, my screen should not be on for this, but there's a figure. Yeah. Can you take it off so I can just find figure one here? Um, Figure one is pretty pretty clear although it's i'm just going to show part c of figure one here um so this is what you're talking about here the longitudinal analysis of vaccine-induced antibody response um with igg1 ig in pale blue igg2 igg3 igg4 the other the other ones and what you see is basically after the um I don't remember what FU refers to here. There's so many little acronyms in this paper, but um, basically you have 89% of IgG1 response um, after the first or maybe it's the second uh, dose of the mRNA vaccine. And by the time you're at the, again, I don't remember if it's the fourth or the, anyway, uh, after a booster or two, uh, you're down to 73% IgG1. And whereas IgG4 was almost non-existent, almost untraceable. Uh, yeah. after your first doses. Uh, by your by your second booster, I think it is, you've got almost 20% IgG4 production. Right.
0: So what I want to do is first just translate this into English Good. and then yeah. help you understand why it is that the heterodox people are freaking out about this result. And I don't think the freak out is unwarranted. I think this really is a dramatic and important result that we need to understand. Okay. First thing to understand... So we can that, take this off. So yeah. You can just talk is this. that Ig as in igg and igg4 Mm -hmm. means immunoglobulin which is a synonym for antibody so if you've been hearing about antibodies this is a class this is really a sub igg4 is a subclass of antibody there are major classes of antibodies which you may have heard discussed during the pandemic there's igga which is specific to mucosal reactions One of the critiques people will have heard of these vaccines is that you're vaccinating people in the arm for a respiratory virus, and it turns out that there is a profound impact of where in the body your immunity is, right? So if you're going to get a you know, uh, a cut and tetanus is going to get into your blood, right? You want your immunity in the blood where the pathogen is going to show up so that the immune system can shut it down before you get sick, right? If you're going to get, if you're going to inhale the thing, right, you want your mucosa to have the antibodies if your response is antibody-based. And so anyway, where the the response happens has something to do with the main classes of antibodies, IGs. And there are subclasses. So IgG is one of the major classes of antibodies involved in shutting down pathogens. And they do this in various ways. I think we've discussed it here before. Um, Antibodies have that familiar Y shape. The tips of the Ys, right? The tips of the Ys have a very unique electromagnetic conformation that sticks to something specific. Right. So you have these things basically floating around, waiting for the inverse set of magnets. And when they land on them, something happens. And that something can be that the antibody sticks to the something and just gums it up so it can't do its job. Right. Like imagine that you, uh, you know, there were tanks invading your country and you had a giant silly string gun that just (laughs) glued up the tank. Right. Mm -hmm. And the point is, oh, that tank is not a tank anymore. It can't work. It's too full of gum. So anyway, there are antibodies that just stick to stuff and cause it not to mm-hmm. be able to do its thing, right? You can imagine if you gummed up the spike protein on coronavirus that that coronavirus can't use the spike protein to get into the cells. That's that's the idea, right? But this whole system, the system of immunity of which antibodies are really half the story. So um B cells, which you've all heard of, make antibodies. They have receptors on their surface, but they also make free-floating antibodies, which they secrete. And these antibodies go out and they do things. They gum up stuff. Um, they can also stick stuff together and signal something called a macrophage to come and consume it and destroy it. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a multi um, it's a multifaceted response to, to pathogens. But The whole thing depends on an underlying principle called self-non-self-recognition, okay? So the system has to be able to figure out what belongs to you as a result of all the stuff that you do physiologically, and it has to not interfere with that stuff. And then it has to detect all of the stuff that isn't you and figure out what to do about it. Now, in general, the system starts out by recognizing molecules that you yourself don't make that look biological and assuming that they are hostile, right? That causes some problems though because you eat stuff that isn't you, right? You inhale stuff that isn't you and the level of reaction...
1: Although the eating stuff that isn't you is going through the donut hole that is your intestinal system. So right. it's technically outside of your body, right? And so that's that's why leaky gut syndrome and such is such a problem. And celiac disease where the stuff that's not supposed to be uh recognizable by your immune system at all gets out of your gut and into your bloodstream and then suddenly your body can start seeing a bunch of stuff freaking out about it
0: right so there's all kinds of stuff about your epithelium keeping the stuff that's not supposed to be exposed to your immune system outside of you whether outside of you as in your alimentary canal or physically outside all of you Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway so the system is extremely elegant and the thing is it's far more elegant than we yet understand we are still at a very crude level of understanding how this works but we do know that in utero the system basically fires right imagine you as a mammal uh, inside your mother's uterus you're not exposed to a lot of stuff from the outside so the system can say all right which of our antibody producing cells are being triggered by stuff that we're seeing those aren't good they react to self get rid of them Right? So now, by leaving only cells that didn't react to you, you've got a non self recognition system. Beautiful until you get into the world and things get complex. Right? Now, here's the amazing thing. Now, I remember as a, I guess I would have been a college student, I had seasonal allergies. And I went to the allergist, and the allergist did a panel and figured out what I was allergic to, and then cooked up some inoculations. And I asked because I'm biologically oriented. I'm like, "Um, what's in those?" And he's like, "Oh, the stuff you're allergic to." It's like, "Well, that doesn't sound like a very good idea. Why are you inoculating me with the stuff that I'm allergic to? That sounds like a- <laughs> I'm also clearly already exposed to it. It's what's causing the problem that sent me in here." Exactly, right? And so I I asked, "I don't understand why why does this work?" I'm not saying it doesn't, but mm-hmm. why does it work? And he went through a very complicated explanation that meant nothing in other words they didn't really know. Okay. Did he um,
1: think he did he think they knew?
0: I think he kind of thought they knew yeah. in the way that doctors sometimes think they know but they're out of their depth. And I'm not arguing that that is in and of itself sure. thinking you know is bad, mm-hmm. but doing something that works even though you don't know why it works. That's not inherently wrong. And, the, the, you know, that's how medicine functioned, right? You, yeah. you, you understand stuff a lot before you understand exactly why it functions the way it does. But anyway, I was alarmed at how little seemed to be understood by, you know, somebody directly in the field. Well, it turns out...
1: You did not take the inoculations?
0: I did. And then I stopped. And actually, oh, that's right. my yeah. allergies went away years later, I think because I changed all sorts of other stuff that had to do with a general inflammation problem that was causing me to be exposed to many more antigens than I should have been. Mm-hmm. But to make a long story short, self non self recognition is established in utero, but then it is maintained by a very elaborate system that modulates immunity. Now, here's the punchline of that story. IgG4 is a subclass of antibodies involved, I'm not saying this is all it's involved in, but it is involved in the down-regulation of immunity, right? So imagine that you face some molecule out in the world and you're overreacting to it, right? That's bad, right? That causes all kinds of problems. And one thing that the body can do is it can update its understanding of what is hostile and what isn't hostile and it can cause you to not react to something right it's like look by analogy you have a panic response your panic response is presumably there because a certain number of ancestors have survived something frightening and then left offspring as a result of the fact that they panicked appropriately right there are all kinds of situations in which you don't want to panic right most of them most of them is right, the vast majority, especially in modern times. But, you know, if you're in water, panic is not good, right? Learning not to panic in water, right? Like you and I grew mm-hmm. up on a coast, right? As you're dragged out to sea by the riptide, mm-hmm. panic is not your friend, no. right? If you fight that riptide, you will exhaust yourself mm-hmm. and you may well drown. If you realize that riptides are short entities, and you let it take you out, which is frightening as hell, and then you swim horizontally, you will escape that riptide, and then you can swim in, right? Not panicking is the key to surviving. So riptides tend to cause panic as you notice it's happening. Learning not to panic is the key to survival. IgG4 is like this, right? To the extent that something you're encountering is um, a bummer because of your reaction to it, not reacting to it is key. And so it is not terribly surprising that the system has a mechanism for downregulating um, a immune response.
1: So uh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead here. Yep. Um, but <clears throat> as I understand the paper, I've never made a claim to be an immunologist, I, and I don't know as much immunology as you do. Um, they have found that the greater the exposure to the mRNA vaccines the higher the ratio of IgG4 among a total of all of the IgG, um, cohort that your body is producing is, which given the piece of information you just added to the discussion means that your immune system is being tamped down, um, potentially the more boosters you get. They also find that, um, those who have been vaccinated and then get exposed to COVID also are producing more IgG4. And they went and looked at a couple of other vaccines. I think it was typhoid, maybe. You don't need to show my screen here yet. But um, uh, no, not typhoid, tetanus and um, RSV. It's They say the IgG4 subclass does not prevail after repeated vaccination with tetanus, toxoid, or respiratory syn- sensitial virus infection these findings support the notion that class switching to igg4 is not a general consequence of repeated antigen exposure in form of vaccinations or infections yep so this is speci- and it's specific to the mrna covid vaccines yep um and not and not generalizable at least to two other vaccines um or well one other vaccine and one other infection um, that are active in the human population now
0: right yeah now I don't want to pretend anybody really understands what this all implies, but it does open some very scary possibilities. Yes. So one thing is that the repeated vaccination and, you know, you and I and others have warned about what we don't know about continuing to send the same alert signal into the immune system in a dynamic complex system right so these vaccines were insane in a number of ways one of them is they're too freaking narrow right they are you are playing you are like a child playing against a tennis pro right you are delivering an evolutionary challenge that is not difficult for this virus to overcome Mm -hmm. and you are doing so repeatedly right you keep playing the same move in tic-tac-toe and not learning that it doesn't work right so okay the we've talked about things like um original antigenic sin Mm -hmm. right original antigenic sin means that if you overly train your immune system to have a particular reaction it doesn't get to experiment and find a better reaction right so that's one hazard here Um, antibody dependent enhancement Right, you're talking about an evolved entity that is trying to get into your cells to do its own bidding, right? It has has encountered antibodies before. It happens all the time. And so the question is, is it built in such a way that it can actually utilize those antibodies in a jujitsu-like way to get into a cell that it couldn't otherwise invade, right? Mm -hmm. Of course that has been experimented with by selection. And so that is always a danger when you're inducing an immunity. So how do we know that's not going to happen here? Well, this adds a whole new category, right? Yeah. To the extent Mm -hmm. that your body and... My guess is if we study long enough, we will find that there are pathogens that have figured out this trick. Maybe even COVID has figured out this trick from before. But the idea that there is a system for attenuating immunity and that it is being elevated at a spectacular level, I mean, Mm -hmm. the... From
1: non-existent to 20% of the IgG response.
0: Yeah, from something like 0.04 0.04 percent
1: it might have been 0.4 but the, you know they, they variously they gave a number but then they also said almost not measurable right it's right?
0: almost not measurable yep. which you would expect
1: at the to, beginning to after, the extent yeah. that you're
0: fending off something the attenuation antibody is not the one that you want to be producing it's counterproductive mm-hmm. right it's its own goal right so the fact that this thing is being elevated tells us a, if you know, they've only surveyed a couple of previous vaccines, but they've said, hey, look, here we've got some vaccines mm-hmm. we know actually work, mm-hmm. and it's not triggering this. B, if you've been vaccinated and then you get COVID, it is being triggered. That's interesting.
1: That is interesting. Here, here's This is also interesting from the discussion of the paper. Furthermore, we observed significantly higher IgG4 levels after two doses of Comirnaty, which I also never know how to pronounce,
0: the Pfizer vaccine. I thought it was Comirnaty, but
1: Comirnaty? Okay, I'll start over. I'll go with Comirnaty. Furthermore, they write in this science immunology paper released December 22nd of this year, furthermore, we observed significantly higher IgG4 levels after two doses of comirnaty mRNA vaccine compared to a heterolo- heterologous immunization regimen with a primary Vaxzevria vaccination followed by one dose of comirnaty, although the total anti-spike IgG response was comparable. This argues against the hypothesis that repeated exposure to the spike protein itself triggers the unusual IgG4 response.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So, uh, you know, they've—they've—it's a small study, and there's a lot here that is beyond my ability to assess directly in terms of their methods and um, and you know the, the tools that they're using. But they seem to have covered a lot of bases in terms of like, oh my God, does this happen whenever you get repeatedly exposed to a pathogen? Nope, not with RSV. How about whenever you get repeatedly exposed to a vaccine? Well, no, not with, again, what was it? Um, Tetanus, I think. Um, Not with tetanus. Uh, Okay, how about if you just get vaccinated a lot against COVID, but it's different COVID vaccines? Nope, not that either. It's the mRNA COVID vaccines repeatedly being vaccinated against, getting repeated exposure to that and I, they don't say Moderna here, but my guess would be that either Pfizer or Moderna would do. You know, you could you could mix those two, and you would get the same response. But I don't know. They don't appear I, I to say. I think that's
0: it. implied by the paper.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Um, so it. So wow. that that argues that this isn't a strict case of original antigenic sin, right? Right, because it's not. Uh, it's not the antigen that's doing it. It's something more complex. But, and it could be. You know, it could be a lot of things. Right. This is such an alarming, strange result. I'm not saying that this is right or that I even believe it. I'm just saying mm-hmm. one hypothesis is that the destruction to the immune system that comes from the pseudouridine-enriched mRNA is being consumed by macrophages. Do we know that that destruction happens? I don't think we know that yet, but it's certainly likely that mm-hmm. macrophages, which are... Um, capable of digesting normal stuff might choke on pseudouridine enriched mRNAs that are spilled out when a t-cell destroys a pseudo-infected uh transfected mRNA spike producing cell right that could be resulting in a shift in immunity as a result of the you know some kind of exhaustion now do i immune exhaustion yeah that, I... that's let's put it this way yeah. My model doesn't tell me how you get from macrophages uh, ingesting this stuff to that kind of exhaustion, but who knows? We now have a question on the table, yes. which is why are we seeing this radical shift in the direction of standing down an immune response where you would expect it to be elevated? Yes. Right? Um, so that's troubling. What's also troubling is because this is mediated by an antibody, it is mediated based on a particular electromagnetic signature on the surface of whatever it is that these IgG4s are targeted at, presumably spike protein. So what that means is that if you imagine, your immune system can react to just about anything, large biological molecules. That way it can recognize any invader, whether your ancestors ever saw it before or not, right? And then if you reacted to everything you'd react to yourself you'd tear yourself apart before you were ever born so you get rid of all of the stuff that looks like you right that digs a big hole in your immune system right all the stuff you yourself make is placed off limits from immune attack autoimmunity is the result of your immune of that border not being well policed and there are various reasons that that might happen Mm -hmm. and a, a pathogen might learn to look like you enough that the immune system would either let it go free or pursue it into that hole and start attacking you also, right? Right. So something like um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, right, where you're attacking your own tissues might be the result of, uh, you know, that damned if you do, damned if you don't immune uh, predicament. But the point is, look, okay, we've specified a sequence and now the immune system has reacted in the way that we've done this by apparently standing down an immune response now we're creating an opportunity for the pathogen right and not just this pathogen we're creating an opportunity for any pathogen that can evolutionarily produce a signal that triggers that same reaction Mm -hmm. right so
1: at exactly well not exactly the moment at this moment in the global north when uh, many illnesses are cropping up because people are inside and um, and it's dry and respiratory viruses just have an easier time transmitting for both of those reasons. Uh, sure enough, we have what is shocking, shocking to all of the health professionals and public health authorities uh, is a, a sharp rise in very bad cases of both flu and RSV. And your point is... Um, given, you know, if this paper holds, if the result in this paper published a week and a half ago in Science Immunology holds, and it turns out that the more exposed you have been to the mRNA vaccines against COVID, the more likely you are to be basically having your own immune system tamped down by your immune system itself you may well be more susceptible to not just COVID, but to all the other stuff out there.
0: Yes, uh, you were at least, and worst of all, because we jumped in with both feet and vaccinated, you know, billions. Everyone who was willing. Billions of people worldwide. And many who weren't. Um, I don't know what fraction of that billions got an mRNA uh, vaccine, but let's say it's a billion people.
1: A Majority, yeah. I think. Well, actually, I don't know. Well, I heard Russia and China. China used a very different
0: thing. So I don't know yeah. what the answer is, but let's say it's a billion people. D- nothing is dependent on the exact number. Okay. Um, what we've created is a gain of function experiment for the other viruses that we weren't tampering with to see whether they can figure out uh, this formula for escaping Oopsie. immunity. Right. So look, You and I used to say all the time, I don't know why we stopped saying it because it's been the message all along, but we used to say all the time, welcome to complex systems. That's right. Welcome to complex systems is our shorthand for you are dealing with a system you don't know nearly enough about to make any sort of a radical change and think you know what's going to happen, Mm -hmm. right? To the extent that you are deploying a new vaccine, You don't know, even if it's a traditional platform vaccine. We've seen this go wrong before where people have released a vaccine that was made in a traditional way and it had unforeseen impacts. The idea that you could get away with speeding up the development of some radically new platform of vaccine Mm -hmm. and assume that it was going to be uh, without major harms or impacts was never made any sense. And here what we're seeing, I, I think potentially we're seeing a couple of different contributing factors. We've got the immune system is a complex system. Inside a person, a complex system. Inside a society, a complex system. Inside a pandemic, a complex system, right? That is a nightmare from the point of view of predicting net impact. We are now looking at a population-level change that may have severe implications, not just for this pathogen, but for others. So that's one lesson, is this is human... Biological hubris coming back to us in a, uh, the details are shocking. The fact of us having been this wrong cannot be shocking. That was foreseeable. Um, But the other thing is. Us
1: being the public health apparatus.
0: Yeah. Humanity. What we net did was insane. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is you and I used to take a lot of crap from various people over the question of Lab leak and whether or not it quote-unquote matters, right? There was a whole yep. midwit kind of <laughs> conclusion that, well— There's a lot of that going around. <laughs> so much. Yeah, okay. the midwits have definitely had their their day. Um, but their perspective the normal was— Normal
1: distribution of wittery. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Um, their perspective was, yep. look, wherever it came from, it's here. Let's deal with it. And the answer, what we have said from the beginning, is no, 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 no. What you did to this virus... Has implications for everything. It it has implications for what we should expect it to do, mm-hmm. for what we should expect it to be capable of. It has implications how it
1: will respond to various treatments. How
0: it will respond to various treatments, how dangerous it is, and how good your model is of predicting that. Mm-hmm. So here's another place, right? We've been dismissed as
1: will it evolve into lower virulence over time,
0: as all the other viruses tend
1: to do. Not all of them, but most of them. Well, maybe. Right. But this is the first of
0: its kind. And this is the this is the first yes. of its kind. And um also how much you can infer about how dangerous it is from the case fatality rate, right? Our point has been, look, this disease, as much as it's not all that deadly, Mm -hmm. is very destructive, right? It is very destructive across a wide range of organs, which likely has something to do with the protocols that its ancestor was exposed to in Wuhan, right? Where, you know, for example, caged animals did not have to function in order to pass it on, right? A mink in the wild That gets sick with the virus has to function as a mink in order to pass on whatever disease it has so the disease has an interest in not making the mink dysfunctional if you've caged a bunch of ferrets together so that they're slobbering all over each other (laughs) losing their ability to smell and therefore feed themselves but it doesn't matter because they're eating ferret chow Mm -hmm. right the point is you have created an environment in which a pathogen does not need to worry about damaging tissues that don't help it because it doesn't matter Right. Yep. So did that it's the cre- evolution of sloppiness, it is, it is, it is an environment that is highly tolerant of sloppiness. Mm-hmm. And so what we are now looking at, I mean, look,
1: yeah, this is not a precision uh, pathogen.
0: Right it see it
1: seems very presumably like a spike protein It's the, you know, oh, we got to be target this thing and that's the thing that may be really you know causing a lot of cellular damage, but it causes such widespread damage in so many different systems and ways. And yes, the CFR, the case fatality rate, is probably not. We were saying from the beginning is probably not, and I would say now definitely not the indicator to be using to assess whether or not this is a dangerous virus. Look at excess mortality over time. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. It's not looking good.
0: Yes. And actually one of the, um, I was reading a a blog post not on Substack. Very surprising to see any blog post not on Substack (laughs) these days. um, Do you want me to show it? Yeah. You want to show it? Radagast. Um, Yeah. Anyway, this is, Radagast is the guy who wrote it who actually strikes me as a very interesting, uh, interesting author. He did a good analysis. I don't know
1: it. And I can't um, see it yet.
0: Yeah, yeah well, But anyway, it'll it'll <laughs> pop up here. Why was I raising him?
1: I don't know. You have blog posts, not on Substack. Written <clears> Trot. The only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very ex- existence is an act of rebellion. Cool. Uh, why were you bringing this up? I do not know. This is yeah. the first time I've seen it.
0: Um, I can't remember exactly. I mean, it seems to me that, uh, I think it's a he, a, a, the, his analysis is excellent with respect to the complex systems point Mm -hmm. right he does not overly interpret what we have just learned but he 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 sort of speculates responsibly about it um it's it's a very good post i would also recommend uh yeah just hold on just a second
1: after mrna vaccination the immune response against spike is shifting to igg4 so this, this is that's just a summary of the science immunology paper we were just talking about yeah okay
0: yeah um yeah I can't remember exactly it It'll come back to me, I'm sure, but I'm sure it will. uh but uh, I don't have it, but I would also recommend Jessica Rose has done a number of pieces. She has actually been uh, uh quite good on the question of attenuation but also on mm. the question of pathologies that may be arising from this. I would advise real caution here because. The fact that IgG4 is known to be associated with something like the development of cancer doesn't really tell you what role it's playing, and therefore, we can't leap to conclusions about the connection between certain things. Can I
1: just say before you go on, I've not yeah. seen this post before, um, but I'm looking at it, and for those just listening, she starts the very beginning of the article, which she titles, IgG4-Related Disease Means Fibrosis and Organ Destruction That Leads to Death Eventually, the the article begins, let's get some definitions out of the way. She defines fibrosis, connective tissue, collagen, type 1 collagen, and presumably more. Uh, and just that, starting with that right up front so that the reader can, if they if they don't already own those terms in their head and they can read them without having to refer back, they know exactly where to find them. And you know, compare that to the science immunology paper, which I think was well done um but i ended up highlighting all of these acronyms through it just as a way like the first time they would use them like i don't like i can't keep track of all of this yeah. and so you know this this is not necessi- this is not new um but even the way that rose has <clears throat> written her piece there which i haven't read i immediately know that she is at least attempting to be a clear communicator such that people can come to their own conclusions. And that is, you know, that's that's not standard scientific communication style in part because it takes more words and paper used to be at a premium and journals used to be printed on paper. Like that's the sort of explanation for why you have this really tight sort of telepathic scientific writing style. Uh, But there's not much excuse for that now. And even just having a little sidebar glossary for all the terms on a paper like this would, would help a lot. And that does, it 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 creates a barrier to entry for almost everyone, the way that that Rose article looks like it shouldn't have, really. Like, I, I, I don't think her article has that barrier to entry. She's inviting everyone in to, to read and to assess. And frankly, this is part of what those who would erect the barriers to entry really don't want us doing like they don't like what we're doing they presumably don't like what she's doing they don't like what a lot of these doctors and researchers are doing saying you know what i actually did train in something like this or related to this and i can't assess these things and so i'm going to communicate to all y'alls who don't necessarily you know want to read science immunology but we can assess it and say something about what it actually says and for many that is Basically, a breach, a breach of a contract between elite and not elite, between educated and not educated. It, bring, it brings power and agency back to people where it belongs.
0: So the the distinction I have drawn is between what I would call terms of art, which are a necessary evil. Yes. These are terms yes. that we have to have in order to communicate about things. So IgG4, for example. Mm-hmm you know, you need a term to refer to this special subclass of antibodies in Mm -hmm. order to have that discussion. Um, But it's better if you don't have it, whereas jargon, which is the alternative, is the um, barriers to entry that are placed by so-called experts to keep people from understanding what they're saying so that only the experts can discuss it and they don't get exposed for what they don't know. Um, So anyway, yeah, uh, Jessica Rose does a great job. Of bringing you in by just saying look here are the things you're gonna need to know to understand what I'm talking about here Mm -hmm. so we do have um, a tremendous issue with nested complex systems that have been interfered with in a radically novel way that is now having a consequence we can measure that nobody fully understands but may be connected to any one of a number of pathologies that have been seen you know could be connected to rapid cancers could be connected to uh, fibrous clot like um developments as as Jessica Rose argues, but the real answer is stay tuned, yeah we will find out more about what this means over time. There will no doubt be a an insane propaganda campaign designed to demonize those who become interested in this because frankly it is at the very least a tremendous challenge um, to those who are arguing that there is a role for um, for these so-called vaccines going forward at least two forward. things
1: here um, mrna vaccines and and therapeutic treatment in general and gain-of-function research
0: right yeah this the we have opened pandora's box and um run out the clock on all of our good options and deployed mm-hmm. technologies that have Uh, made things far worse and at some point at some point we should stop using whatever mechanism it is that's telling us what to do next because we are doing ourselves more harm right and uh, what I would like to know is what we have done collectively that has been of any value whatsoever right we caused the problem apparently Mm. we then exacerbated the problem sure um, at some point not listening to the people who set any of those plans in motion would be like a first step to doing something reasonable i would think
1: it sounds like misinformation to me brett
0: that's what they call me
1: misinformation yes i was voted that did you in high school. <laughs> oh. i did hmm. mm-hmm. okay um i was gonna say in stupider news but it couldn't possibly be <laughs> uh, the lancet which was has been considered one of the premier medical journals although as we said at the top of the hour and as we've said here before uh it has sort of long since been understood including by many doctors to not really be all that serious after all but they uh confirmed that if you will uh this in this month december 2022 when they published this study and i'm just going to read some bits from it um but don't, don't put up my screen just yet actually um I actually feel like I should give a trigger warning before talking about this, because uh, if there's there's sex and types of sex and types of sexual intercourse discussed in this article, which I think warrant just we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but. Uh, in order to understand what this paper has done, what the authors of this paper have done, and what this journal has done by letting them publish it in this form, um, you need to go into some things that some people will consider grotesque. So uh, there, there you go. Um, turn off now if you're not interested in uh, learning about some of the differences between how women and trans women actually engage in sexual activity so uh here we go you can put on my screen here zach Uh, this again published this in december 2022 by the lancet human monkeypox virus infection in women and non-binary individuals during the 2022 outbreaks a global case series now you might think if you just look at the headline that it's going to be about women and non-binary individuals that's the problem well no uh, I will say here, as I've said many times, non-binary isn't a thing. That's not a real category, That just stop it already. You're just making that up. Um, the non-binary individuals, the handful, I think it was literally maybe five um, uh, that they included here were all um, female, actually not assigned female at birth, but actually female, observed female. Uh, and um, the problem arises with their category women in which about half of the women uh, that are included in the study aren't women, they're trans women who are not women. So we are. they're looking at monkeypox, which <laughs> for those of you who've been living under some rock that wasn't infected by monkeypox, uh, of course, is mostly, uh, mostly been an infection uh, that gay men get from gay sex. That has mostly been the case. And so, okay, well, yeah, we should see what's going on with women for sure. But maybe don't include a whole bunch of men and call them women and thus further confuse the issue so here are just a few um sorry it's gonna it's gonna want to pop up um non-sexual routes of transmission including household and occupational exposures were reported only in cis women and non-binary individuals so that is to say that once again it's um the it's all of the Men, included in the study on women, uh, were actually being exposed um, through sexual routes. Wait, 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 wait. This is actually, it's not an important, an important piece. I'm not sure why I highlighted that one. Um, in trans women, this is research and context. This is sort of a, you know, if you don't want to read the whole article piece. In trans women, oh wait, sorry. Oh my God. I need to see the, okay, I'll just read this. In trans women, commercial sex work was reported in 34, that is 55% of 62 individuals, and was the strongest occupational link to infection. 24, that is 34%, of cis women and non binary people, women, had vaginal mucosal involvement, and 59% of 71 had vulvar lesions. One trans woman had vulvar involvement, and no disease of the the vagina was described, perhaps reflecting sexual activity, as few trans women had undergone gender-affirming surgery. I'm going to just keep going a little bit here. Here it is. HIV prevalence was very high in trans women, 50%, but lower in cis women and non-binary people, 8%. Okay, so the men that they included in the study on women were either half or more than half HIV positive and sex workers. Okay, point one. I and I'm sorry, my screen does not want to behave. My God. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's hanging up because I'm connected there. Okay, now you can show it again here. Similarly. Large case series describing the 2022 outbreaks of monkeypox virus have included no or few women, and that continues to this day, and large epidemiological surveillance data sets have not differentiated between cisgender and transgender women. Um, Because cisgender isn't a thing, That's you're either male or female, and trans people are real, um, but the sex that they are matters, whereas the gender that they think they are, especially if they've had no surgery in any way uh, does not matter at all with regard to box. Okay. A few more. <laughs> would you like to respond? Yeah, I, I would okay, like to respond. B- before I, yeah, okay. okay. You, could, um, you can give me my screen back so I can get to the next one. Yes?
0: <laughs> is it? <laughs> oh my God. Is it arrogant of me to oh. think that I'm not dumb?
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's not arrogant okay. of you to think you're not okay. dumb.
0: I don't think I'm dumb. No. I am straining to understand this paper <laughs> because oh my God. it goes beyond jargon. Uh-huh. By pretending that men who are trans women mm-hmm. are something other than men biologically, mm-hmm. it takes... And
1: most of them are HIV positive and sex workers.
0: Right, 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 right. Yes. But I'm having trouble even getting there because I'm struggling to keep track of the right. fact that they've got women who are men mm-hmm, who sure. are being lumped with other men because they're men but the paper doesn't say that they're all just men because this is in, they've studied men right mm-hmm. this- oh but
1: they didn't they're not lumping them with men here because there are no men there's no there's no men in this study because they they are correcting a historical wrong here because monkeypox because it mostly affects men who have sex with other men um have decided to look at women Right, but- Except they didn't. I mean, they did, a few. And then they found that among the women who were mostly not sex workers and not HIV, HIV positive, that there were some cases of monkeypox. But among the men who think they're women, who were also mostly HIV positive and sex workers, uh, that they were, okay, there's just one more here. And this gets, you know, I didn't need to know this, but Zach, if you want to show my screen here. Um, that the type of sex that trans women... Versus women and non-binary, women, which they're calling Swiss women and non-binary individuals, the type of sex that they have, okay, which includes anal, oral and anal, oral only, vaginal and anal, vaginal and oral, vaginal only, okay, so these three types, and they've got them into various categories. Trans women had no vaginal sex because they're not women and they don't have vagina. They don't say that in the paper, but that's why, but, okay, and... Women, cis women and non-binary individuals, but women, no women had only anal sex. Only one of them had only oral anal sex. They mostly had vaginal sex, and mostly they're not getting monkeypox. Right. So, so you can take that off, and we're done with the grotesqueries here now. But. This,
0: I guess what I'm getting at here, <laughs> and I mean, I realize this is your point too, but I'm just struggling please. trying to wrestle it into clarity. Sure. This is a very obvious result.
1: Yes. (laughs) Everything
0: about the result is perfectly obvious. This is a pattern we've seen before, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, this is the pattern that we saw with AIDS, right? We had um, gay men Mm -hmm. were getting AIDS. Anal sex was a uh, primary route of infection, at least in the West. And therefore, it wasn't something about, you know the mindset of gay men. It was about the behavior of gay men, which differed from Mm -hmm. men who weren't gay for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah, bathhouses and anal sex turned out not to be good
0: for you. Right, and it turns out that if if you're a woman, right, and you were engaged in this behavior, then the virus didn't care that you weren't a gay man, right? So the point is, the, the result of the paper is perfectly straightforward. It's not really newsworthy. But the insane way that they have categorized people obscures that result. So sure. you have to you have to do overtime, like your social justice brain has to unpack <laughs> this result so that you can show that you can properly read through the idea of non-binary and uh, and cis women. I mean, the whole idea that you have to read this stupid code in order to get a perfectly obvious result of a pattern we've seen before, right? this paper should be very easy to understand mm. and yet they have turned it into a um a monstrosity of needless complexity by pretending right. that all, all sorts of things that have nothing to do with biology are fundamentally biological and medical sure.
1: yeah no and let's uh let's definitely look at uh monkeypox transformation in women by doing a small study in which half the people aren't women right I, you know like i don't I, I don't like sort of the rad fam move to blame the patriarchy for a whole lot of shit. Yeah. And, like what what is going on here? But really? Like what about studying women? Because wasn't that the point? Right. But no, no half the people they've not. Just because they said they were an armadillo here, they're not an armadillo, and they're not women either. Like they're not.
0: And these are these are trans women, but before they've had bottom surgery. Is that the idea?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So it's waning men. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank
0: mm-hmm. you for not saying hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that.
1: I, I mean, some, I know this is wrong, but I'd prefer it to be waxing men. Um, right. And I don't like that <laughs> image either.
0: <laughs> no, that's, uh, yeah hairless at some level yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: okay which is okay um so just one last thing Mm -hmm. here so i went i was like oh god the lancet is really far gone what the hell and i just went onto their site and found uh the the last op-ed that the lancet is publishing this year
0: it's not the last op-ed ever
1: Uh, we can hope but no i don't (laughs) think so it's called pastures legacy in 21st century medicine yeah yeah So here it is, and again I'll link it, but here's a PDF. Um, So here, the Lancet bids 2022 adieu with a commemoration of Louis Pasteur. And then a little bio of Louis Pasteur, um, but two little um, highlights here, it's short. The 21st century is seeing a changing landscape of infectious diseases. Old and new pathogens are emerging under growing pressure of anthropogenic forces anthropogenic forces
0: I think they <laughs> like. mean anthony fauci
1: <laughs> well and you know labs with gain-of-function research right. yeah well, Anthropogenic but, I mean, forces. you don't
0: have those labs without the funding and you don't have the funding without anthony fauci
1: oh didn't he just step down or is about to i think we'll see funding
0: you think they'll be continued you fund? think it's
1: over <laughs> i don't think it's over one more <laughs> one more from The Lancet's final op-ed of the year, the unstable political, no, the unstable social and political context in which we live our lives is creating the new public health. Let's start over. I'm adding all sorts of words that aren't there. The unstable social and political context in which we live our lives is creating new public health challenges. An infodemic has seen the rapid spread of misinformation that resonates with people in ways that expert advice does not. Vaccine hesitancy is now a major barrier to fighting infectious diseases particularly in high-income countries. Many parents are reluctant to vaccinate their children because of concerns about vaccine safety, despite reassurances from doctors and public health authorities. This hesitancy reflects a broader breakdown of trust in the state and in scientists.
0: Excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) A breakdown of trust in the state? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's the problem. (laughs) That is causing a breakdown of trust in the state by people, especially in wealthy countries, is causing the infodemic.
0: The infodemic. So A, I would just say infodemic is one of those terms that strikes me that somebody advanced it in a spitballing session and nobody in the spitballing session was smart enough to point, down, point out that that suggests the uncontrolled spreading of information, <laughs> which is more or less what happened. They couldn't control God. the spread of information, and it got away from them. And then here we are talking about what actually happened.
1: Yeah. This hesitancy reflects a broader breakdown of trust in the state and in scientists. I don't remember... Even when I was a proud Democrat, ever being expected to have trust in the state, that seems like a really new and, you know, cringy is the shallow end of the pool of what that is, really bad suggestion that what we need is trust in the state And in scientists who say what the state wants them to say,
0: which is the unspoken part of this. Well, they keep they keep telling us this. Right. I mean, it's amazing. I I think it was this year that malinformation showed up as a form of terrorism, which you will, of course, recall is. uh, It might have
1: been 2021. But, you know, the years go by so fast. They
0: do. They go Mm -hmm. by so quickly. But malinformation, as originally presented by the Department of Homeland Security, was uh things that were based in fact that caused you to lose trust in government. And that is a form of terrorism. I mean, they actually said it, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So they did. They right. did say
1: that. Yes, they did.
0: If the facts cause you to lose trust in your government, you're a terrorist. That's their point. And um I'm not sure where we go from there, but it does seem like that's an indication of which side they're on. It does. Yes. That they're going to use the state in ways that will cause us to become factually disturbed at them, and then they're going to paint us as terrorists. That's that's pretty much the summation of the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, it feels kind of accurate.
0: Yeah. Yep. And um, I don't know. And the
1: fact that the truth is not on their side mm-hmm. is not helping.
0: Right. It's yeah. maddening to them that the facts are on our side. That is really... I can imagine being troubled were I in their shoes, which I would never allow myself to be, but... <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so I... I guess I wish that I had put something else together here to end 2022 on an awesome note. Oh, I didn't read the whole paper, but Mm. um, I actually didn't read the paper at all. But science uh, reports. I don't know why I trust them, But science reports. uh, You can just show this. So I literally have not read the paper that it's even reporting on. Glass frogs become see-through by hiding their blood. The arboreal amphibians store almost all of their red blood cells in their livers when they camouflage. So these are neotropical That's arboreal frogs. Isn't that so freaking cool? Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, and I, I haven't read the paper. I don't even, you know, maybe the paper sucks. Although, um, either they do this or they don't. So glass frogs. This is clade of frogs that live in um, lowland tropical rainforests in the New World, and I've, I've only seen one or two. Maybe they yeah, they tend to be really high up, and they're. Cryptic, they're super cryptic. Like the pictures that you'll see of them like this make them look really not cryptic, Um, but they're basically transparent, which is why they're called glass frogs. And so, this new study, which again I have not read, I've only read the science news version of it, Um, apparently um, they divert their blood into their livers to help them disappear. And they spend like half, they spend the night. Their blood in the livers when they're not moving around.
0: Aren't they nocturnal? They spend the day.
1: Um, they it's probably the day they spend their their yeah. Which uh, would
0: make sense because their camouflage is liable to be during
1: the day when they snooze on leaves. Yeah, yep.
0: it would be pretty useless in the dark. So yep. to go through yep, all yep. that effort. Yeah, and so actually, you know as, what it is. Mo-
1: the vast, so I work. I worked on two of like the only clades of diurnal frogs. Frogs, so. frogs, so,
0: frogs poisonous enough to be out during the day and not get eaten.
1: Yeah, they're. Flipping the bird at everyone and going, like, you can't eat me.
0: Two poisonous. But this is a little bit like um, the camouflage of um, Honduran white bats.
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Because Honduran... But they don't
1: hide their blood in their livers, do they? No. I don't think so. Honduran
0: white bats have Mm -hmm. the most shockingly white coats, which Mm -hmm. is strange because when you actually see them in their little tents, they look very conspicuous. Um, But without shining a light on them in the darkness of their tents um their coats reflect green Uh, they do yeah oh i didn't know that yeah um so anyway yeah the idea of being camouflaged to hide in your roost during the day because you're out at night and day is when you're vulnerable seems to unite those two things anyway that's cool yeah it is cool Trying to remember what the um the call of a glass frog. I rem- do. Am I wrong that it's like, it's almost like a glass being, uh, like a crystal glass being hit?
1: Yeah. I want to say yes. And then I think that I sometimes conflated them with another clade. And so I'm not hundred percent sure. I, they, they were, <clears throat> they were hard enough to, to locate. Uh, and there are a lot, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of frog call going on in a, in a jungle at night. Um, and I don't, I don't remember for sure. All right. Well, that's, that's definitely known. I just don't remember. And I yeah. want to say yes, but I feel like I often conflated them with a different frog.
0: All right. Well, different clade. We will seek it out.
1: Yeah. Or not.
0: Oh, I will. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you I'm about it Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, well, that brings us to the end of 2022. I mean, not really. We've got, um, boy, we've got like yeah. nine and a half hours left.
0: Oh, are you kidding
1: Finish off this here in just a moment, and uh, take a fifteen-minute break or so, and come back with answers to your questions, which you can ask at darkhorsesubmissions.com. And we last week, I think, we got to all of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually,
1: uh, we usually don't, uh, so there's no promise, uh, no assurance that we'll get to your questions if you ask them, but we try. And if you have any logistical questions, you can go to darkhorsemoderator at gmail.com. Consider joining our Patreons, reading our book, Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century. It's about to be published in Czech. Mm. Actually, no, that's not true. It's it's now going to be published in Czech, but we don't know when. Um, But the Chinese version is coming out soon.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: Okay. So um, until either 15 minutes from now or next year, be good to the ones you love, eat good food, and get outside.
0: Be well, everyone.